Good morning. morning. It is good to have this number out with us on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. And happy Easter, everyone. We serve a risen Savior. And that's what this lesson is about this morning. Imagine that, right? So we talk about, Lord, we talk about Christ. We talk about the life that he led this morning in Bible class, one that was obedient to his Father. And the, the type of life that we should resemble in that act as Christ was obedient to the Father, we should also be in like-minded, be obedient to Jesus Christ. So in thinking about Jesus Christ's life, of course, he had to live upon this earth as a human being to be our perfect example of the life that we should live ourselves. But that life had to come to an end. He had to die upon that cruel cross for the remission of our sins. But as he prophesied, he was going to be in the grave three days. He prophesied, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it again. He wasn't referring to Solomon's temple at all. He was referring to his body. He was referring to the temple that God abided in at that time, which was Jesus Christ. And this morning we think about the resurrection. I think about, We don't think about that enough in my feelings. We think about the resurrection. We need to think about it all the time. As faithful children of God, there is a resurrection separate to the other resurrection, and it's unto everlasting life. That's the reason why our Lord and Savior went to the cross in the first place, for us to have an opportunity of salvation. With that being said, let's, and picking out one of the Gospels that really reflect Christ's resurrection and the, the tomb being empty, it was a little bit difficult, so we're going to have to kind of hit all four. But this morning we're going to start in John chapter 19, excuse me, chapter 20. In chapter 20. John chapter 20, we see that there is an empty tomb. And it's kind of odd about this empty tomb. There was something different about this tomb than, than most any other tombs would see. And we see that through the Marys, as they're in the, and we see them discussing this, this, this odd thing that was going to keep them from uh, administering to Jesus' body as they're on the way to the tomb. We're going to get to that. But here we see an empty tomb. There is no body there. Because that body was, it had risen. It had took the Spirit of Christ and it was carrying him up as he showed himself to many disciples. So we see here in John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they had laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb, they both ran together, and the other disciple outrun Peter and came to the tomb first. Well, we see John a little bit quicker. And he, st and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been lying that had been around his neck, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Now, that's something that's been revealed to me very, not, not too long ago, very soon. 
saying that this folded linen represented Christ coming back. Now when someone would leave a table, it was customary, when they were done, they would lay it over their food. Well here we see someone coming back, they would fold the handkerchief and lay it off to the side. That would represent them coming back. They weren't done, therefore they were coming back. And if a certain person were here, I would pick fun at them and say, I'm going to start folding my handkerchief beside my plate. Because they would take your food away. Then she would kind of giggle and laugh. That's, that's our little inside joke. But we think about Christ coming back with this folded handkerchief. He isn't coming back to that tomb, though. He's coming back to this earth to reclaim those who are his. And that's going to be hopefully at the end of this lesson, <coughs> if, if, if time constrained. And then verse 8. Then the other disciples who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For yet they had not known, for as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. All right, let's stop right there in verse 10 of John chapter 20. So we see an empty tomb. We see the, the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. All right, that's the obstacle or the something significant is that stone. She, go, she sees and it's not there. It was already rolled away. She, so she runs and tells the two disciples and they ran together and they see that handkerchief folded, not where it used to lay, but it was folded as in represent, representing Christ was coming back. So we turn back to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, starting, of course, in the first verse. <clears throat> now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they rose, and a certain other women come with them, uh, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Again, there's that stone being rolled away. Uh, we see... I just lost my mark. Come on, bookmark. All right, we turn back over to Mark. And where did it go? Here it is. Mark chapter 16. My bookmark fell out. There it is. All right, Mark chapter 16. Again, this obstacle, this stone being rolled on, that was actually a purpose of this stone being rolled in there. For the fear of the disciples hauling this body away, the, the, the leaders of the Jewish nation commanded those soldiers to roll this stone in front of the tomb. And it was rather large. So we see in Mark chapter 16, uh, in the first verse, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, and they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? So we see these three ladies contemplating, Well, how are we going to roll that stone away to get to Christ? How are we going to roll that stone away to go administer unto him? How are we going to do that? And here in the very next verse, well, when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. 
And entering the tomb, they saw a young man uh, clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. And he said to you, as, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were astonished, were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So we see these three ladies contemplating how we're going to get this stone rolled away. That was their concern at the time. Because as they seen Christ where they were buried, they seen those things happen where they knew where to come back to. But he is risen. He is risen in verse 6 of Mark chapter 16. And of course we see the other gospel saying that Christ is risen. I always think about us serving a risen Satan. And it was important for him to show his disciples uh, he showed himself amongst his disciples. And of course, as Brother Artis read this morning of Matthew chapter, eight, chapter 28 about the Great Commission, what he tells his disciples to do after he has shown himself to them. We serve a risen Savior. Any other author of any other type of faith is still dead in the tomb. They're still dead in the grave. Jesus Christ is not there. We see in Acts chapter 1 as he ascended up into heaven was reclaimed by those clouds and he disappeared up into the heaven and those men of Galilee staring up into heaven and, he, and that angel of the Lord said, why are you men of Galilee staring up into the heaven? This same Jesus is going to come back in like manner. Of course, that's paraphrasing that, that whole instance of Christ ascending into heaven where he is reclaimed by the Father. He is risen. We also learn in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, the crown of life is available if we remain faithful because we serve a risen Savior. No other orchestrator or no other author of any other type of faith can promise this one thing because they have not risen. The almighty powerful God rose his son from the grave as he remained those three days in that tomb, was able to roll that stone, of course, away, and Christ stepped out of it. And of course, he looked a little bit different. And the, uh, as Mary, the, the one account is she was, un, she was uh, unsure of who he was, assuming to be the, the gardener. We find that in John chapter 20. So let's turn back to John. John chapter 20. Uh, the, the question that gets referred to often or, or even asked often about what are we going to look like after we, are, after we are resurrected? What are we going to look like? We're going to look different. We're not going to look the same. Christ looked different. He sounded the same, but he looked different. 
John chapter 20 and verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping as she wept and she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting in at the head, at one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord and have not known where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary? She turned and said to him, Rabbanah, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, I do not, cling, uh, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren, say to them, I am ascending to my father, and your father, and to my God, and to your God. That's significant right there. That's significant for us as children of God. Because as Christ was going to ascend to his heaven, heavenly father, previous to that, he tells Mary, don't cling to me yet. Don't cling to me yet. Go to the disciples and tell them what has, what has expired, what has happened. Go and tell them. Mary had a task. So she runs and tells them, and the whole events proceed. And on the way walking back, Christ is also confused with somebody else. He looks different. But yet still... He had a purpose. He had a purpose after he was risen from the tomb. And of course, when Brother, Art, Brother Artis read from Matthew chapter 28 about the earthquake coming and the countenance of the men fell and them being like dead men. They were afraid of the whole instance. Christ did not stay in that grave. He is resurrected. Just as you and I are going to be resurrected. Now with those thoughts into our minds... I want us to turn to Romans chapter 8. As we look into Romans chapter 8, keep in mind, Christ died once for all. Not just children of God. Christ died once for all. So that all may have an opportunity of salvation. So that all may come into the knowledge of the Lord. And that's important for us as children of God to know and understand who God is. To know and understand who Jesus Christ was and is unto this day. For he died once for all. So that we may have an opportunity of everlasting life. Again, written to Christians, written to those who are faithful in Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But, the, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit whom dwells in you. So just as Christ is no longer in that grave, no longer having, no longer having to be, well, let me, let me answer this, let me say this correctly, death no longer having dominion over him. Ain't it going to be nice? As we have given up the ghost, just as Christ gave up the ghost, you and I are going to pass from this earth. Hebrews 9.27 teaches, for it's appointed for men to die once and after this the judgment. To stand before our Heavenly Father, pure, whole, and justified, death no longer having dominion over us, and entering into everlasting life. Now, isn't Christ's resurrection important to think about? Isn't Christ's resurrection be rest assured of the reason why he was resurrected in the first place? Let's think outside the box. Let's, let's think on the other end of that spectrum. Say if Christ came teaching about resurrection. Say if Christ came teaching about life after death, about the kingdom of God being everlasting. Uh, Christ died upon that cross. Okay, So if he come teaching life and he is dead, would he not be alive? If that were the case, it would have been done so. That means if he's, if he's teaching about life and he's dead in the grave, well, that sounds like a lie to me. But he res resurrected, was he not? He came teaching life and has life unto this day. He offers us life as people, not just as his children, not just his brothers and sisters, not just the children of God, but he offers every one life. John 3, 16 and 17. We need to couple those together from now on. John 3, 16 teaches what? That God loves the world. He loves his creation. He loves the people that who are in it but offers them an opportunity of the absence of destruction. Again, outside the box. If Christ come teaching, death, teaching life and abided in death, can't get out of the grave, well then we wouldn't have any hope, would we? Folks, he was risen. He is risen unto this day. Remember Dowling Thomas? Remember Dowling Thomas? He says, well, I, I'm not going to trust that you've seen him unless I can see him with myself. You walk into the room and there's Christ. Christ told him, Thomas, feel my wounds. Stick your hand into my side. And he did so. And what did he say? My Christ, my God. All doubt was removed. We need to have that doubt removed in our everyday walk of life, just as Thomas's was removed. Have no doubt. For as Christ, he was even teaching while he was walking and teaching, he taught, have no doubt. In other words, put doubt on the back burner and put faith first. Believe with all that you have. 
Again, Christ is resurrected. He is no longer in the grave. Death no longer having dominion. For the Father resurrected the Son. He offers a resurrection unto everlasting life for us on that great day. He offers it. It's up to us as individuals, even as the church, to adhere to God's commands. To adhere to Jesus Christ's instructions and live the lifestyle that Jesus Christ had lived. It's past tense. Because he was a person. He came to this earth. He left being rich, became poor for our sakes. What does that say about our faith in Christ? When we disavow or don't listen to or don't pay attention to or don't even adhere to God's commands and God's instructions or in a country boy's way of saying it, oh, we listen to it. No, we're, we're, we're willy-nilly about it, right? I'll follow it today and I won't follow it tomorrow. I'll be faithful today, but not faithful to, to, tomorrow. I'm just going to come and go and do as I please. Now that sounds a whole lot like a lukewarm church. John writes in Revelation and gives a very stern warning about a lukewarm church. He will spew you, excuse me, spew that church out of his mouth. He won't have anything to do with it. And that would be terrifying on Judgment Day. So we need to think about our one visit, rather. Because I know a lot of folks today, they're, thought, they're thinking about Christ, which is a wonderful thing. But how about next Sunday? How about Wednesday night? How about on a Thursday evening? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about Christ? Are you thinking about the promise that God's bestowed unto His children? Folks, one visit a year ain't enough to get salvation applied to you. It's not enough. Again, Revelation 2.10 says, Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. It does not say, Be ye faithful for one time a year, and I will give you the crown of life. That is not what that says. It says, Be ye faithful unto death. So how, how often must we be faithful in our everyday walk of life? So when we think about our faithfulness, do we look like Christ? For He has risen. He was faithful to His Father. John 15 teaches us that He abided in the Father and was obedient to His commands. He loved the Father. That's how we are to love Jesus Christ, by keeping His commands. John 15, 9 and following. So we learn about the love of Christ. So my question this morning, do you love a risen Savior? He offers to rise us up on that last great day. Only those who are His are going to go into the clouds with Him. Are you sitting here listening to this lesson, realizing that you are not Christ, that you have abided in sin and you've cast off your faithfulness and you've put on works of darkness? Well, let's cast those works of darkness off. Let's have nothing to do with those Satan. 
Let's make sure God is our Father today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Let's put our best foot forward to serve a risen Savior. Are you serving a risen Savior this morning? Or are you serving old Satan? Look within yourself right now. And if Christ was returning because that handkerchief was folded in his tomb. If he was coming back right now, where would you go? To everlasting darkness? Where there is weeping, gnashing of teeth, despair, pain, suffering, all those following things that we don't want anything to do with as a person. Or would you hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been a servant over, you've been a faithful over a few things and I will make you a master over many. Is that what you're going to hear? As your status right now, are you a faithful child of God? Do you need to be immersed or baptized for the remission of sins? Do not wait. Do not tarry. Now is a wonderful time to become a child of God. Have you done so? Have you been baptized and had your sins washed away? Do you need to cast those evil works of darkness because you've taken that short walk with sin and you've lost your sight of your salvation? Let it come back to light this morning as we come back to Christ, as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.